Awesome. Well, hey, everybody. Good morning once again. Uh, if, if I missed you earlier, my name is Wayne, pastor at DCC. This month, we've been engaging in conversation about the heart of DCC and what we believe God has called us to and how we love this city and how God loves cities. And we started, strangely enough, with the story of Jonah. And it's really a story about a guy who believed in God and was very religious, um, but just had a disdain for those that were far from him. And God wanted to show him uh, that God loves those who are far from him just as much as God loves him. And strangely enough, he needed saving as much as those who are far from him. And uh, God is constantly showing us throughout Scripture, and you see through Jesus' life that he's calling out those who consider them to be religious and say, you know, your lives are not saved just to have, you know, be for yourself. It's always for others. And Jesus' heart is for that. And, for, and, and he's always engaging both stories. And so that is really the heart of us here as a church. And last week we talked about what it means to believe in Christ and why we believe in him and why he had to come and why his death and resurrection both happened. And, and if you want to talk about that, we're always going to talk about that at any time. And it's on our podcast. You can go back and listen to that. And today I want to continue this conversation and engage in, you can see here a little bit, of what really drives us. And I want to lead us to a passage in Scripture uh, that, we're, I, that shows us the heart of God, and Jesus is kind of really, is, 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 is I think it's like a high point in his story, uh, in his engagement with us, and the stories that he shares, because it begins to really um, show us God's heart for us. And there are many places like this, um, but it really drives us here at DCC. It's why we do simple service, what I, we just, we heard about. Uh, because we, you're invited into a relationship here. You're invited into to pursuing God. And ask, we, we pray and we hope that this is a safe place for you to come and you ask your questions of Him. And for everyone here in this city, that, that's a journey. And, and there's no timeline on that in His pursuit of you. And, and following Jesus and understanding His words is always easy. It's not always easy for us as Christ followers to pursue and to, and to follow. And so... Um, but we want to invite you onto that journey, into that journey. And, and Jesus was someone who did that. And he wasn't like he just showed up and was like, oh, here, here I got classes at 2, 4, and, and 7, you know, like every day, like I've got office hours. No, he lived life relationally and invite others onto this journey with him. And we want to do that uh, with him as well. And so as when we started our church, we started almost eight years ago, so... Uh, like in three weeks, we're going to celebrate eight years at DCC, and that's really exciting. And, uh, and then we'll celebrate Easter together the week after that. And, and so, you know, what's driven us from the beginning is really Luke 15. Uh, in the, we, have the, we have written accounts of Jesus' life. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And it's amazing is, is that all of these accounts of his life are fully intact, and when we look at documents from the past, a lot of times that what people re refer to and, and look at are just fragments of things that we stand so strongly on and different types of uh, things, with whether it's theater or historical documents. But these are documents we have absolutely 100% in full. And it's unique and it's amazing. And they give us an incredible picture of Jesus' life. And people gave up their lives, families, uh, to, to preserve these things so that we can have them now. And we see this incredible heart of God. And, and, and so I want to set this up. But today, I'm just going to read through Luke 15 and share our heart because it, 
reflects us as a church family. And I'm going to share one more story here on video in, just a, in a little bit. Uh, but there are stories that are yet to be written here. And some of them are yours. And, and God is, is, has a plan and I believe a purpose for this city. It's why we love Jersey City so much. I, I shared recently, I've, I've been here for 15 years. And, and I'm so thankful to be here. And we are committed to this city. Whether you're here for one year or you're here for your life, uh, we believe that if you engage in this story here, God can use you in an amazing way. And there are stories that are yet to be written that we get to be part of, just like the ones we just heard. Uh, two of those who we just heard from have moved away, and, uh, but they, you know, they, they were here for a while, and we can carry on this legacy uh, forward. And so you're invited into that today. And so I want to take us to Luke 15, and what's amazing is Jesus was constantly teaching, and he was kind of engaging two audiences, and one was this really religious audience that thought they knew all these things about God, but here was right in front of them, God can, can standing in front of them, talking to them, clearly performing miracles. And they were indignant to, to him they, they, because of their pride. And so Jesus would confront that and show them their hearts. And he's like, listen, you've gotten the heart of God completely wrong. You've spent your whole life studying the scriptures and you've missed it. And here it is right in front of you. And I, and I love that. And if, and if you're someone who kind of uh, is skeptical or not really excited about the, those who are religious, well, kind of Jesus was like that way too. You might find a little common ground there. It's really interesting. <clears throat> and so they were like, man, you're hanging out with all these sinners and everybody else. And so this is how this story begins. And they were just constantly grumbling to him, like you're eating and drinking with them and, and going to these parties. It's like, what kind of religious person are you? And, and Jesus would essentially be like, yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> what kind of religious person are you? And so, and so he begins to share the story. So let's start. This is how this begins, just to explain the scenario. So Luke 15, says, it begins with this. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. And so this is a, is a big statement. Uh, you know, if you work for the IRS, I'm sorry. But, you know... Um, we still don't have a very favorable view of tax collectors. But at this point in time, in this, this specific Jewish religious culture, you know, they, were, they were those who worked for the, represented the Roman government. And the Roman government was controlling this region at the time, and so they did not, did not like them at all. And they were kind of known for being, asking for more than, that was, you know, than they were supposed to, and they would extort people and get themselves rich. And so they were considered like lower than like people who were bad. And so this is why it says, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. And I love that because it shows that those who are not necessarily religious or, you know, whatever it was, they love being around Jesus. They wanted to hear what he said. And I think it's so key to, to see. And so it continues, it says, this made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people and God forbid, even eating with them. He was accused of eating and drinking with them. How dare he? And so Jesus knew this, and so it continues here. So Jesus addressing this attitude, he continues here. He says, so Jesus told him this story, and he begins to share three different stories, what, he called, what we call parables. He loved to teach in parables, a story to illustrate. 
something, a greater purpose and meaning. And, and him sharing something three in a row was significant. It was purposeful. It was saying this is massively important. Really, really important. And so he continues here. So Jesus told him this story. Here's the first one. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he finds it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. Now, this is a story for this you know, time. You know, they, were, they, were, they were around people who were shepherds, and, and this was happening around them, and so it was a relevant story of the time, and that's kind of not very common here. And so they would have known, like, there would have been other shepherds in the field, and the hundred sheep was like a, a decent, like, mid-size. I don't know if it's like running a business. Um, it's a terrible analogy. Like, employees just don't run off. Um, some of your managers are like, actually, that's, that's not true. <laughs> uh, so, but, and so he would have had some others around, and so there's, there was still protection. But he would do everything to go and to search. Everything began to be about Seeking this one out. He's like, and so he's, he's starting with very common ground. And so they'd be like, yeah, like, won't he go and search and seek after and find it? And then when he finds it, like, he's excited. And I, this is such a picture. So, I, you know, if you're kind of tracking, like, this is a picture of God. So Jesus is sharing this to them, and he's sharing a story, but what he's really showing it's a picture of God. And so he finds it. He will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. And when he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. If you've, you know, maybe you can remember growing up. I don't know if your father would do this. Your father would put you on his shoulders. Maybe you had an uncle or someone in your life that could do that, or you've seen, like, with your nephews, like, for my kids, I remember when they were little, that's, the, that's where they wanted to be, and it, was, it blew me away as a father, because it would hurt, <laughs> and they never wanted to come down, like, they were so incredibly happy when I put them there, the joy that they have just sitting on my shoulders was unique, it was a bonding experience, and it blew me away, because you go through life, people just like rejecting you and like, what are you doing? And like, you know, even if you're married, you know, we get annoyed with one another, you know, like that happens. Their kids, it's rare. It's like, no, 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 that's where I want to be. And they're, they're happy. And so I love this picture. He's like, yeah, come on my shoulders. I don't know if sheep like being on your shoulders. <laughs> He's like, you're not running away. Uh, but it's the heart of God. I love it. And so Jesus continues here. He goes, in the same way, in the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Story number one. He's like, there's more joy in heaven. Just like that, he said. So then he does story number two. He goes, or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Now, for us, if we lose 10 silver coins, we're like, that's not a big deal. 
because silver coins is probably like a quarter, nickel, dime. Like th- these would have represented like, like maybe a year's wages. Like it's, it, was, it was massive. So this is a big deal, right? So she has 10 silver coins and loses one. He's like, won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? She'll do everything she can. Like, you ever lost something? Like, sometimes they're insignificant. We're like, where's this hairbrush gone? And it's always, like, somewhere deep in the couch. Like, how did that even happen? And, like, you, and like our whole family has gone on missions to find random things like that. And somebody's like, I got it. Like, it becomes such a big deal just because it became such a big deal to find it and because it was so hard. But this is something that was incredible value. And so here it goes again. He says, and when she finds it, she will call in her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. And if it was today, we'd be like texting others, Oh my gosh, I can't believe this. I'm sunk. Like, I've lost this. this is my, like, I've got to, you know, this is, I need this for my entire year. Like, I don't know how I'm going to end this, you know. I don't know. Maybe it's like the, the SVP Bank in California, uh, Silicon Valley SVB uh, Bank. If that's a sore spot, I'm sorry. Um, but like you lose a significant amount of money, like how, what do you do? You do everything you can to find it. So she, she texts everybody back. She lets them know, come in, rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. I found my bank account. found the password to my Bitcoin. <laughs> in the same way, in the same way, Jesus says, there is joy in the presence of God's angels, even when one sinner repents. And this is talking about like a party. In the translations, it talks about they throw a party and celebrate. Like they, they get excited. And here, remember, the picture of what is happening is these those who were religious and found God were not happy. Like, how could you do this? And God's like, do you understand that all I think about is who I'm having dinner with right now, who I'm having a glass of wine with right now? That's all I think about. I care deeply about them, and I'm seeking them out. It's why I'm here. And don't you know that's supposed to be, that's what God has been showing you from the beginning, that's the same for you. And that's what, the story of Jonah was, was this somebody who was incredibly hard-hearted, and God was like, you're the issue too. Do you understand? That's all I care about. And there's life to be found. There's joy to be found. And it's the same here in this city. Last fall, we did a series talking about the impact of how we engage in our story, and we had people share with us a couple of stories. And one of them was from a, from a couple who was, who was here with us for a couple of years, 2017 to 2019, and he sent us this video just to share. And so I just want to share it, share it one more time. So I want you to hear this story from Braz. Let's, let's show that now. What's up, DCC fam? Uh, my name is Braz. Uh, my wife Amanda and I attended uh, DCC back in 2017 until we moved back to California in 2019. But man, we miss y'all so much. Uh, if I could uh, talk to you about my uh, pursuit of Jesus like uh, with DCC and, and and what that did for me uh, attending DCC and, and for Amanda and I. And uh, honestly, my relationship with Jesus was so professional. 
cards to DCC. You know, I thought he was a figure that, you know, I always speak to uh, in a certain tie and I had to, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be able to, you know, receive blessings or even come to church, you know, if I didn't dress a certain way. And so, you know, me and Pastor Wayne and, 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 and Aaron and the entire staff that we worked with uh, showed us that Jesus can really show up in people and everyday people that look like you and I, and that was the coolest thing about us, you know. Honestly, working with Pastor Wayne and talking to him and, and again, uh, being shown Jesus in a whole different uh, setting in a whole different way, man, it, 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 it bonded Jesus and I closer. I, 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 I felt connected with Christ and again, a way I never thought was possible before attending DCC. And so I felt like getting baptized, um, especially prior to us moving back to California, was was the best thing to do in, in, in for my relationship with, um, with Christ and um, just all the things I learned at DCC. So I'm I'm so grateful. I'm grateful for my men's group, man. Like I miss those guys so much, the men's groups and uh, what that did for my spirit. And I'm, I, I, I'm a whole different person. Uh, from the person that I was prior to attending DCC and, and, and who I am now. And I have that to thank DCC for, you know, um, and, and y'all, y'all brought us back to Christ, man. You, um, I know your, uh, your motto is, 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 is bringing people back to Christ. And, and I see why, you know, you, you recognize the, the hurt and the trauma that a lot of us have dealt with, uh, in the church. And, and you establish this environment that allows us to be loved and, and to love again in the right way. So thank you again, DCC. Yeah, yeah. Um, what, a, what an awesome opportunity to engage in God's story and him leading us. And, you know, it's, it's, there, there are questions we seek, you know, things that Jesus says are, are always easy to grasp and we have to be able to wrestle with his statements but it's it's interesting uh, you know in our pursuit of religious culture uh, we like to just also add a lot of things to get into in the way and <laughs> and jesus is like no don't, don't don't do that and he showed us that he puts a re relationships ahead of the rules and and, you know, his, and, Jesus, and then Jesus said things that were hard. Like he raised the bar on what it meant to, to follow God and to be good. And what, it, what he showed us was we can't be good on our own. That's why we need Christ. And that's why he came to give up his life for us so that we could come back to him. And so we want to learn to, to lean in and engage in the story. And this is our heart. And so reading through Luke 15, we just see this happening. So we have the story one of the lost sheep and the lost coin. And then he like, so he gets them on the same page. And then he really begins to lean in and to confront them a little bit harder. And so let's just continue in this story in Luke 15. It says, to illustrate this point further, Jesus told them this story. He says, a man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now, before you die. And it says here, so his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Now, you can understand, like, if someone was promised an inheritance, and this, at this point in time, and, and I've shared a lot about this story in the past before, uh, how significant this statement was. Like, anybody listening to that, this is like drama, a significant story. And so typically there's sons, and the, the older son gets the majority of the estate, and so the younger son, if there's two, would have been entitled to maybe like a third of it. And so he's like, I want it now. 
and that would have been unheard of. And it's basically him saying, pointing his fingers up to them. If you remember me talking about this before in the past, saying, F you, to the Father. Like, it's incredibly dramatic and saying, I'm out. And literally, he would have had to sell his entire property or part of it. He would have to get evaluation of everything. And someone had to come and buy and to, and to get rid of those specific assets, one-third. It would, have been, it would have been major news in the entire realm. Like, this was a big deal just to sell this off. And so that's what the son is asking him to do. He's like, I don't care about being your son anymore and give me what I deserve. Thanks for working really hard to create all this for me. Thanks very much. And his father agreed. It says, a few days later, the younger son packed up all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. Went to Dubai, I don't know, we chased a commercial we see on TV and just went for it, went crazy, probably went to Las Vegas, that would be probably more appropriate. I don't know why I associate wild living with Dubai, that was strange. Okay, <laughs> Las Vegas. Uh, somebody's done a good job of marketing. Okay, anyway, um, wasted all his money, blew it. It says, about the time that his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. He's at the lowest of the low he could possibly be. It says the young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he's really stubborn. Like, really stubborn person, right? When he finally came, after all that, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. He says, I will go to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So it says, So he returned home to his father. And while he was a long way off, now if you haven't caught on so far, the father in this story is God, represents God. And he's, and we just, I described the scenario of what it was like for him to do what he did. That was his last interaction with his father. Comes back after years. His father saw him coming. So what would you do? Someone betrayed you, took your cells, ran off, started another company. I don't know, like I'm trying to find, like, took your boyfriend, your girlfriend, like really hurt you and says, why he sees him coming. What does the father do? What does God do with us? What do we think God does? Strikes with his lightning. That's what we think he's ready to do. Whatever analogy we've, we've, we've filled in in culture. So while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. What does it say? He was filled with compassion. Filled with love and compassion. That's God's heart for us. He doesn't let us off the hook. He loves us deeply. He sees us struggle. He sees our brokenness. 
and he's filled with compassion. And it says, he ran to his son. And if I'm his son, I'm like, <laughs> you know, he ran, if we continue here, it says, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to his servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house, put it on him, get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Three significant things. And I love this. All this meant he belonged. A ring that signified prominence. You know, sandals was, was not for those who would have been the hired hand. Sandals were for really for just for those who were the family. That's what he would have been wearing them. Robe is like royalty. Ringing, ring means you belong. This all means, I love this. This is a picture of at our very moment of condemnation, at the very moment where we feel the most shame, it's where we want to run. Like that's where he, like the, he says, I just, just make me a servant. And this is, there's always a point when it comes to following Christ, if you really understand and you see that you feel condemned, you say, I've been broken, I've sinned against both Father and you, like there's a, I've, there's a break. Last week I talked about how there's a divide, there's a break in our relationship with God. And we cannot make that divide on our own. That's why Jesus had to come. He had to die. He had to, to bridge that gap for us. He had to take our place. And it means that, and, and what all this shows and all these stories, it means that we've ran away, that we've, we've blown it, we've broken it. And so there is a, there's a place we realize we've, we, have, we have offended him. And I think that's why we're so mad at God or we, we walk away from him because we feel this disconnect. We don't like this talk of something's wrong with me. We don't want to be condemned. But it's the very moment of condemnation that God wants to take us in and redeem us. And I, I want you to tell you that this, I see this happen all the time. The place where we become known, whether it's pursuing Christ or even with one another in our relationships, is the very place we want to flee. And at some point, I guarantee you, if you pursue a relationship with Christ and with others, you're going to want to run because you, the, the, the brokenness in you gets exposed. And it's the, the, at the moment of condemnation is where Jesus wants to take the condemnation for us. It's why he came. It's why we celebrate and sing him, because he took his, the death that we deserve instead of us. Don't run away from that. Run to the Father. He understands our brokenness. He's the only one that withstood it all the way and never sinned. He knows how hard it is. He knows that you can't do it. That's why he came. The very moment of condemnation is the moment that he wants to bring forgiveness and grace. We need that. So let's read this. I could go on and on about that. He says, I'm no longer able to be called your son. He says it's the father, but his father says, quick, bring the finest robe, the ring, and the sandals. You belong. You're part of the family. You've been brought back in. And then he says this, and kill the, the, the calf, the fattened calf that we've been fattening. Kill the calf that we've been fattening. 
We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and now has returned to life. He was lost and now he is found. And then I love this next statement. I want you to hear this, okay? So the party began. So the party began. You guys can put that up here. Yep. Jesus loves to throw parties. God loves to throw parties. This whole story, there's three parties in a row. The lost sheep, shepherds threw party. Lost coins is like, I, I thought I lost like a whole bank account, so I'll just lose some of that now to throw a lavish party. The fattened calf, for it was lavish. It was lavish. There's a God who wants to, he wants to pour his love on you in, in a lavish way, like really extensive. There's several pictures throughout Scripture of these lavish moments. It's amazing. And this was should have pissed the audience off, the religious audience off that Jesus is speaking to. And you'll see here, Jesus is very aware of that audience. So the party began, I'll continue, it says, Meanwhile, meanwhile, dun, 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 the elder brother, the elder son was in the fields working, and when he returned home, he heard music, the dancing in the house is a wild party going on. Some denominations offended by this, you know. And he asked one of the servants, what was going on? They're like, your brother's back. And it's like, what? And, he, and your father has killed the fattened calf. And we're, we're celebrating his safe return. The older brother was very angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him. But he replied, all these years I've slaved for you. And never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours, not his brother, <laughs> your son, the son of yours, comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf? The older son doesn't love the father any more than the younger son does in this story. He's greedy. He's mad because that calf was his. That represented money. And so it says, said, his father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate this Sabbath day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, and now he is found. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And there's a warning to those of us who have been following God, to be careful. And it says, lean into God's heart. Lean into God's heart. The danger, there's a couple of things here. The danger for the religious is to become inward, to become prideful and to say, this is it, this is all we need. I've got it, I'm good. But Jesus calls us to something different. Jesus calls us, the Christ follower is to be outward focused. To love those. That's our calling is to continue to love those and seek those out that are far from him. And, and we can't force anybody. We trust him with that. We're just, whether you believe in God or not, as, as, as a church in Jersey City, whether you believe in God or not, we want you to know that he loves you. We want to love you as he has loved us. That's one of our hopes. And I believe if you're a Christ follower, you move here and you come here as a committed Christ follower, I don't think you can exist in this city and do nothing to live life with those and engage those that are outside of the faith. There's, there's so many people around us that live like that. 
And so if you come and be part of this church family, we're going to ask you to take those steps and to do those things, and, and you may not like that, and, and so I just want you to know that. You want to live lives with them. I encourage you to throw parties. I haven't said that in a while, and that's a shame, but you need to celebrate and throw parties with your neighbors. It's one of the best things you can do. No agenda, just have fun and celebrate. And we love to create community here. In, in a couple of months, in June, we're going to be doing an event we call Go Jersey City, and, we, and it's like half of our church family and half those in the community, and then we throw a party when we're done. And there are people that would probably never set foot inside our church, but they love being part of that, and they come. We want to live lives with others. And it's a weird analogy to talk about farming again, but it's, it's kind of like a farmer moving to the most, like, to the biggest unfarmed fields in the country. And like people are like, do you understand how fertile this ground is? And all these things to pursue and do, and the farmers are like, move there. And they're like, no, you know, we've got some farmers meetings to go to. We've got to build some, we've built some really great barns, but we're not farming. It's like there's so many things, there's so much opportunity to love and engage this city. And that's where we live. And God loves the city. And this is not up to us, it's up to him. And he just calls us to be faithful and to love others. And I'll end with this scripture. This is not for the screen here. This is found in John 4, I believe. Jesus was talking to someone who was outside the religious culture, and they were wondering why. And he was talking about food, and he says this. He says, he says my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. So Jesus was being the example for us. We just follow him in obedience. He says, you know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe. Somebody's already planted is what he's saying. He says, the harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. He says, you know the saying, one plants and another harvests. He goes, and it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others have already done the work, and now you will get to gather to harvest. It's pretty cool. What Jesus is showing us is that he has been engaging a story in this city already. And if we lean in, we get to experience and see it. Those three stories we heard, they would have never known a community to engage in, and you just don't know what's going on in people's hearts. Someone's like, man, at church, like why in the world would I ever meet people there? And that's what people think. I love that. I love that statement. But there's something going on there. And so simple service is something that you could do. And it's on our website. We've put it under the menu, and you can do simple service. It's one hour morning or evening at the path stations. And let me tell you, you'll be rejected a lot, Cause, right? Because we go, people hanging out stuff, we're like, I don't, I don't even see them. <laughs> but we're from this neighborhood, and we're here smiling. Some people never, you know this, you go into the city, maybe the only smile you see all day. And our goal this year is to do, is to touch, have 30,000 people take a chocolate or a granola bar from us this year. And it's beginning to get warmer. I promise it's coming. <laughs> but you were invited to engage with us in simple service. And we're going to be talking about that more and more, especially as we head up to Easter. But we want to do it every week. But many of you have been taking steps to engage with us this last couple of weeks here. And I just want to say, 
you are taking steps to engage in God's story. When opportunities come to serve as church family and to love the city, don't be afraid. Take one step. Don't feel overwhelmed by this, but just follow God and continue to take one step with Him, and He will use you in an incredible way. That's our heart for this city. And we want to continue that at DCC. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you for your words from us today. I thank you for your heart. I pray that we would remember this every time we feel condemned or broken, that we, we can get up every single time because of what you have done, not because of us. I pray that we would experience that grace and forgiveness. So we begin to, to live that out in our own lives as well. We thank you for putting us in Jersey City and for your love. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.